The Yankees roller coaster season is on an upswing once again. They've had fans feeling the highest of highs, stomach turning, and agita inducing loop de loops and the lowest of lows. Their recent play, though, seems to have assured them a spot in the postseason. Nellie and I discussed their recent upward trend, and we welcome in our pal Ken Davidoff on his record prediction and how Aroldis Chapman is spelling relief on the mound these days. All that and more next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All rise. Here's a pitch drive on. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Shearer, alongside my co-host, four-time Yankees World Series champion, Jeff Nelson. Follow us on Twitter, at Chris Shearer, and yes, at NYNelly43. Stop what you're doing right now and go into Apple Podcasts on your phones. Subscribe to Pinstripe Pod and then rate the show five stars and write in a nice review. We appreciate it. Our buddy Ken Davidoff joins us later in the show. But right now, joining me on the show is my co-host, Jeff Nelson, the aforementioned four-time Yankees World Series winner. And Jeff, it seems like we've been foreshadowing this. We, we've been messing with the fourth wall all season long with all your uh, poop stories. And uh, it, it's it's kind of ironic that the worst one was the, the one in the Baltimore Orioles uh, bullpen bathroom where you basically put it on the mirror to haze whoever was out there in the bullpen at that time. I, I, I'm trying to remember the story. I've tried to block all these out, Nelly, but Aroldis Chapman against the Orioles pooped himself on the mound. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that, that's pretty good right there. I mean, that, that must have been. Usually you, you do this, you try to do a little ritual, and you know when you have to go before you get into the mound. And, and I guess uh, maybe he ate some bad rice and beans or something or, or some polio or whatever, and it got to him. And, you know, you throw a slider, a little grunt, a little uh... – <laughs> Jeez. Little meatball comes out, a little Hershey squirt. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, we're gonna talk. I mean, there's, I'm sure he's not the only one. I mean, we had David Cohn on, and I guarantee you, it's happened to him a few times. Well, you know, as the saying goes from Forrest Gump, that happens from time to time, and it happened to Aroldis Chapman. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll move right along here because besides that, and, and that was a game that could have went either way, and we'll talk to Ken Davidoff about all of it in just a bit. But first, you know, the Yankees have won five straight games. They're 26 and 21 with 13 games to go. And we heard Garrett Cole a couple weeks ago, Nelly, say, you know, the starting pitching would would be there, but the the lineup wouldn't. Uh, and then the starting pitching wouldn't be there. The lineup would, but the bullpen wouldn't. They couldn't put all three facets of the game together. It seems as though the Yankees are starting to hit their stride. All the facets are coming together. All the stars are aligning. And it's great to get hot, as Clint Frazier said at this time, because you're inching closer and closer to the postseason, which now, Nelly, seems like a lock. Yeah, I mean, because the team's behind them. You look at Baltimore, Detroit. I mean, you know, Seattle. Seattle's a game and a half back from Houston. You know, I really can't see them doing anything either. So, you know, you have eight solid teams in the American League, and, and the Yankees are going to be part of it. It's just a matter of what seed they're going to get. And if you look at it, I mean, 
where they have 10 games, uh, 13 games left. If you look at this part of the season in a 162 game season, a lot of this is when a lot of guys started hitting their stride. And you're you're talking about June. I mean, uh, this is when the pitchers start feeling comfortable. They start, you know, the velocity is there. The the pitch count is not as big a deal as it was in April and May. And, and even with the hitters, I mean, you have 150 plate appearances in, and now all of a sudden you started heating up. The summertime starts getting in, and everybody starts feeling that rhythm going forward. And then you hit the dog days of August, but you're not going to hit the dog days this time because you're only a 60-game series so season. So this is obviously when, like Clint Frazier was saying, hey, it's great that everybody's starting to feel the rhythm rhythm again because it's take it does take this long during a regular a regular season. And Garrett Cole, I mean, you look at their schedule going forward; they play three teams and seven of them are against the Toronto Blue Jays. So you know it's very favorable for them, and you know they'll see Boston; they should beat up on them. But the seven-game series against Toronto, I think, will really uh, tell everything. And maybe they can get healthy. Maybe they do get Judge and Stanton back. They'll get Urshela back, I think, on Tuesday. So they're starting to turn the corner as far as health-wise as uh, as well. Tremendous point by you. That 5-15 and stretch, that 20-game stretch, which was awful for this team, really painted them into a corner. But you look at where they are right now, and, and as you just said, having seven games left against the Toronto Blue Jays, they have their destiny in their own hands. Toronto's ahead of them by a half a game right now as we tape this on Monday. They start a big three-game series with them on Tuesday. So the Yankees are in a position, Nelly, to control their own destiny, to get back in the mix for that the, one of the top two uh, seeds in the American League East. Uh, they can move up in the seeding in, in the overall American League playoff picture. And, and to me, the key has been the starting rotation. They're pitching to a 121 ERA during this five-game winning streak. We saw Garrett Cole's best start of the season. You hope that catapults him. But the rookie is the one who started this. He's the one who ended the losing streak. I'm talking about Davey Garcia, of course. He has been an absolute godsend for Aaron Boone. You usually look to, and we said this in our last podcast, you usually look to guys who have been those anchors, those veterans as the ones to be stoppers. I think the rest of the rotation saw what Davey Garcia was able to do in Toronto. And you know it as well as anybody, Nelly, you, you, you've lived it. It's passing the baton, whether it's a starter to starter or somebody in the bullpen to the next person in the bullpen. That's what's going to get the Yankees to the next level, pitching. Well, I mean... You know, hitting is contagious. Winning is contagious, and and it is awful funny. And I've been to it many times. That you know, when when a bullpen goes really good. I mean, it's lights out for a number of weeks and the same with the starters. And, you know, when the starters are going good, it's one after another and you'll see great starts for, you know, three or four times around the rotation before all of a sudden, maybe it might go bad for one, uh, one set for the, t- for the five guys. And this is when you want things to go well, you, you know, their eyes, I mean, they don't play Tampa anymore. And, and that's, that's a shame because they, you know, you say control their own playoff destiny. They're going to be in the playoffs no matter what seed they have. And, and what see they get they play the Blue Jays seven times. They can control that. They can be that number two seed. And, and I guarantee you that in that locker room, they're not looking at just being a, a playoff team. They're still looking at winning this division, even though they don't play Tampa. They're hoping other teams will knock them off. I mean, the Blue Jays play Tampa. Uh, there's some National League teams that also play Tampa. I think actually the Mets play the Tampa Rays. So, you know, they're looking at the scoreboard all the time and saying, hey, you know, we're only four games out of this. You know, we still have a chance to win this division and be the number one seed. We have 10 games left. It's a far stretch, but it still can happen. But you don't want to be that wild card. 
and they want to be that number two seed in in the Eastern Division in the AL East because that way at least you get you get a home game and, and you're not having to travel somewhere for the best two out of three and, and possibly play somebody you really don't want to play. You definitely want that. You're absolutely right. If the Yankees can move up in the standings and get one of those top four seeds, they would play the first three game set in the playoffs at Yankee Stadium. And even though there's no fans, you're still in the friendly confines of your ballpark. You're still sleeping in your own bed. That does make a difference. You brought up hitting being contagious and the Yankees are going to have uh, a good problem uh, coming up here. Nelly, they have Miguel Andujar who's ripping the cover off the ball, batting over 300 over his last, what, 12, 15, 15 games. games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but when you get guys like Giancarlo Stanton back in the lineup and Aaron judge back in the lineup, which could be happening sooner rather than later. And, and also you're going to have Jonathan Loisega coming back into the fray in the bullpen. You're also going to have Gio Urshela back to bolster your defense at third. You could move DJ LeMahieu back to second. The Yankee lineup over the, the next coming weeks, the Yankee lineup is going to be uh, back to what it was at the beginning of the season. It's a good problem to have, but sending Miguel Andujar back to Scranton makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. It's almost, this is what you wanted. He was a guy, and obviously it showed over the last two weeks, that needs constant at-bats. He's not a platoon player. He's not someone who can come off the bench and and be able to hit. He needs consistent at-bats. He needs to play in the field. And whether it's DH or playing the outfield, playing third, somewhere where he can get four at-bats a game, three at-bats a game, because now he's starting to hit like he did his rookie year, and that's what you want. And all of a sudden, these guys are going to get healthy, and you're going to have to send him back to the alternate site or possibly put him on the bench there's a lot of opportunities for him to stay on this team that you look at some of these guys loyalty's got to be thrown out the window in some sense you know I, I know Aaron Boone's loyal to a lot of guys and and you appreciate that as a player uh, when your manager's loyal but at the same point you want to win and, and you want to give your team the best shot of winning and sometimes loyalty's thrown out the window and Andujar deserves to stay up I mean Clint Fraser deserves to play every day uh, he's really proved to I, I think he's proved a number over the last few years. He could be an everyday major league player. He just hasn't had the luck uh, to play here every day. Uh, you're going to get Stanton back. I mean, who knows? I mean, he could get injured in, in the alternate site when he goes and gets some at-bats. He's, I, I think he's supposed to get some on Monday again, and they'll probably make a decision. Aaron Judge supposed to join the alternate site on Monday. He'll get some at-bats, and obviously you want these guys in your lineup as quick as possible. But, you know, I guess health, you're holding your breath and saying, oh, hopefully they stay there. But Stanton hasn't played since August. States getting at bats and all of a sudden coming up and getting into game situation that, that, that could take him a while. The one and that's that's the point. That's a great point. And that's the one thing I wanted to bring up with you. I think we're in agreement where where Clint Frazier is your everyday left fielder. Brett Gardner and Mike Talkman, they they have to grab some bench. And I'm one of the best. I'm, I'm one of the biggest Brett Gardner fans on the planet. I have been since 2005 when he was with the Staten Island Yankees. But Clint Frazier has proven. Uh, with this extended run here that he is a major leaguer and he deserves to be in the lineup every day. And you got to pencil him in if Aaron Judge is back and right. you got to pencil him in out in left field. And, and it's the perfect situation. This is what I was thinking with Talkman when he was batting 357 earlier in the season. You know, he could be, he, he deserved to be in the lineup every day. And he could just be your roving, giving a guy a day off in the outfield and letting a Hicks be a DH or a Judge be a DH. Now you're, you're pretty much, Jeff, looking at Stanton being your everyday DH. I 
I don't think with his injury issues, they're going to run him out into left field. But I also don't think the way the Yankees handle these situations with giving guys days when they come off the injured list, how you could send Miguel Andujar that far away to Scranton when maybe you're going to put in Stanton to DH one day and then give him the next day off. You got to get Andujar in there as the DH when you're not having Stanton in there as the DH. You do, and but you know, whenever Stanton comes back, if he comes back, say, at the end of the Blue Jays series, and that's going to be, what, Friday, uh, you're talking you're going to have 10 games left. You're going to need Stanton to play every single game to just get his rhythm back and just to get into game situation back. And I mean, you're, you're facing live pitching down in the altered site, but it's not the same as playing in a real game. Uh, and so the adrenaline's going to be different. You're just going through the motions when you're at the alternate site. It's almost it's like spring training on the backfield, and you're you're hitting off of some pitcher, or you're down the, in the minor league game trying to get in that bat every single inning. Until he gets up here is when he's going to find his rhythm, and and you're going to have to have him play every single game. You know, maybe nine at the at the least nine out of ten to get him ready for the postseason. So I don't know where Ando Anduhar sees at bats. I, I really don't. And as, as hot as he's been, and it's great to see that he's back to where he was his rookie year. I don't know where they come from. Yeah, it's a good problem, like I said. I, you're probably right. He probably doesn't find some at-bats. He probably goes to Scranton because of Clint Frazier. Uh, he's an equal opportunity destroyer. He hits righties just as well, or if not better, than he hits lefties if you look at the splits. Uh, I have to ask you this, too. The Yankees are half game back of the Jays for second. They're four behind the Rays for first. Do you think the Yankees have an outside shot? And I can't believe I'm even asking you this after, you know, what a difference a week makes for crying out loud. But the Yankees seem like they have a shot maybe even to catch the Rays. Now, they can't tie them, obviously, because the Rays have beaten them 8 out of 10. But do you think there's a legitimate shot for the Rays to sink a little bit? And the Yankees, can they can they catch them? Well, they do have a shot. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, you, you don't want to go in say, hey, we just want to make the playoffs. Your ultimate goal is to win the division, and that's what you want to do. And, you know, the Rays haven't been playing great baseball. You know, I'm looking at their schedule now. You know, they do have the Mets. They have the Nationals, the Orioles, and the Phillies. So, you know, there's the Rays' schedule favors them. They don't play a lot of great teams. Philadelphia will be battling for a spot. If the Mets, you know, think they can turn things around, maybe they start battling and for a spot. But their, their schedule pretty much favors the Rays, and it'll be tough for the Yankees to try to overtake them. I mean, you're talking four games and, and 13 games left, so that will be tough. But they can overtake the Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays are going to be the same way. They're getting healthy as well. They're getting Bichette back. They're going to get uh, uh, Oscar back. So they're going to get some good power power back as well. And, you know, that those seven games against the Blue Jays obviously is, is going to be huge for the Yankees. But if they can continue, they can get healthy themselves and continue to play the way they have against the Orioles. I mean, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and they did. And, you know, it should work out for them. Uh, but it's going to be – you have teams that – that have a little edge to them playing the Yankees because the Yankees are supposed to be the best team. The Dodgers and the Yankees are supposed to be the best team in baseball going into this 60 game season. To borrow a line from uh, Terry Collins, the Yankees collective rear ends are in the jackpot and it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fun watching the last couple of weeks here of the season to see what this Yankee team can get done. Nelly, Uh, uh, other than anything else, it's going to be interesting to see what this pressure does. I mean, Chapman goes and has yeah. his 
today, and he's got a three-game suspension. I think there's a lot of people out there that shot, thought it should have been a lot more. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the league does as far as whether they decrease it or keep it, because there's a lot of lot of people, like I mentioned, thought he should have got the eight games that Joe Kelly got for going after somebody's head. And, you know, throwing 100 miles an hour and throwing at somebody's head, you could have killed this guy. And three games was light. So he's at least going to miss two of these next games, uh, next series, or t- this, these three-game series against the uh, Blue Jays. Uh, well, what did Brasso do the next day? He hit two yeah, home that's runs. Good. That's that's the best revenge for any of that. But I was I was leading you down the road to you being in a lot of those pressure situations as the Yankees will be the last couple weeks of the season here. You you know all about pressure. So it's time for Nelly's nugget. Is it about pressure? Or what do you got for us today? No, you know, it's it's comes to that time of year when you're you're at the end of the season and you start the rookie hazing and, and you dress up the rookies and it's a shame that they don't do it anymore. Cause that was really part of a, of a lot of great memories, a lot of great baseball. And it's just something that, you know, with the rookies, they, they finally reached their dream. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you know, they, uh, the veterans get to dress them up a little bit. When I was a rookie in 92, I got dressed up twice. I was in April and, and uh, I got dressed up as in a pink kimono. You know, somebody at 6'6", and I was a little heavier back then, too, when I played, or that year. And we were in San Francisco, and and they uh, we were playing the A's, and they dressed me up, and I was the only rookie then. They dressed me up in a pink kimono. And I had to. And when, you, when you're a rookie and you, you get dressed up, you have to go out and you have to sign autographs. So I, was, I had to cut the sleeves, and I had to do a bunch of things to try to fit in this damn thing. And so you sign autographs. And then at the end of the year, you know, they didn't get too creative like we got a little bit later. They they steal your suit and they make you wear your uniform on the plane, which is kind of, uh, you know, whatever. So I couldn't wait to be that veteran guy to get to get the rookies. And I was like all pumped up for all this stuff. I mean, you go to Salvation Army and, and you hit the racks and you, I mean, you buy all kinds of crazy stuff. But a couple of the times that uh, one of them was Ichiro in, in 2001 and he was a Yankee. Uh, we we decided that uh, and some of them don't take it as well. They, they don't take the dress up as well as they should. But Ichiro actually took this very well. We got Hooters outfits and we uh, we dressed. We had like six rookies and we dressed every single one of them in a Hooters outfit. And and uh, you guys have been to Hooters. You have the short orange shorts and, and, the, uh, and the, the halter top or whatever that shows the belly and, every, and it has Hooters across. And they had and I think we were actually in I was in Seattle then and we were in New York playing the Yankees and going out old Yankee Stadium. You're going through that huge crowd that are on both sides of the gate. And we made every single one of them uh, sign autographs for, you know, and we take pictures. And that was that was a great time. And then uh, the uh, Alex Rodriguez, who was another former Yankee, we wound up dressing him up in a wedding dress. And we uh, (laughs) did the same thing. There was probably, this was 1995. There was a bunch, there was probably six or seven rookies and and they uh, they all went out. And I think we did it in New York again because New York's always the best place to get people because the crowd, the crowds were just so huge and and they would all sit and they would wait for the Yankees to come out. Or, you know, we had Lou Pinnell as a manager. So obviously all the Yankee fans love that. So we made him, did that one day. One time we were in, uh, we in San Francisco, we dressed up guys in the village as a village people and i think that was his yankee we uh, when i was with the yankees the yankees never dressed up players until i got there in 96 and we had to go to joe torrey and don zimmer and clear it through the office and say hey we want to dress up our rookies 
And uh, it might have been New York that we dressed up a a few rookies as a village people. And when we were out in San Francisco, we pulled we pulled within maybe eight or nine blocks, 10 blocks from the hotel and made them walk through the streets of San Francisco. They actually took it really well. I mean, they were stopping traffic. I mean, you had the cop, the construction worker, the Indian. We had everything. (laughs) Oh, great. You know, you miss that time. And now they don't even do it. I mean, they did get creative because Robbie Kakuza, they used to be a site that you could. Uh, you could go and buy all these, buy these these outfits like with the big high heels with the fish in the in the in the high heel you know floating around and they got they got even more creative as the money got a little bit better the outfits got a little bit more expensive and a little bit more creative i mean we were going to i mean we didn't have a whole lot of money to be spending on these guys so you know salvation yeah. army hooters outfits we got a wedding wedding dress of salvation army party city is where you would get these it's funny nelly you talk about the haze in a day now you just see a lot of the relievers wear the pink backpacks with the door of the explorer backpack yeah. out I mean, that's scaring the candy out. I mean, that's kind of weak, but you know, they now they didn't they set something that you're not allowed to haze the rookies, and it's really disappointing. Well, it's bullying now, Nelly. Oh, bullying, yeah. Some guys didn't like it too much, but you know what? Hang with them. It's part of this part of the game. Sarah and I badly want to respond with okay, boomer, but we're not gonna do it. Well, you can. I mean, and now, now, what do what do they do now? I mean, rookies. There's no such thing as as being a rookie anymore. It's just uh, you know, you don't have to pay for any. There's nothing. Back in the day, we had we couldn't sit on certain parts of the plane. You had to be invited back. The umpires screwed you. I mean, whatever. You just had you had to pay your dues. And now they don't have to pay anything. Well, I'm glad I wasn't a rookie uh, when Nelly was around. Oh, that yeah, for sure. we, I, yeah. I made sure rookies knew their knew their place because they made me know my place, so I made them know their place. I'm sure. Ken- Ken Davidoff uh, is happy that he wasn't a rookie too. And our friend Kenny joins us next right here on the pinstripe pod. Joining us now, a friend of the program, New York Post baseball columnist, Ken Davidoff. Read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. Follow him on Twitter as well, at Ken Davidoff. Kenny, we've kind of been breaking down the fourth wall all season long with what happened to Aroldis Chapman on Saturday. You were there for that Zoom session uh, when Aaron Boone, it was it was a great lighthearted moment as the Yankees were breaking out of their 5-15 and 15 slide. Uh, just what were your takes first and foremost from from the pooping incident with Aroldis Chapman. Uh, you know, it's funny because I'm covering the game and, you know, Chapman gets the first out and all of a sudden here comes Boone and, and uh, the trainer and the interpreter. I'm, I'm saying, what the hell is going on? You know, I certainly didn't notice anything. And then the reaction, you know, sort of looks like Chapman's laughing and no, no, he's fine. Let's keep going. And, you know, for sure, I'm just I'm confounded. But, you know, the game goes on. It's still tied. They win. Uh, and at that point, as a, as a columnist, I'm thinking bigger picture. And, and to be honest, it, it just wasn't at the top of my list. But <laughs> God bless, uh, God bless Brian Hoke of MLB.com. He uh, he asked the question and kind of you know really probed. Uh, was, was, we we're all confused. And Aaron Boone, uh, God bless him, you know he gave it up. <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes Mother Nature calls. And then and then you know if you listen to that Zoom call, you can hear the laughter in the background. I was uh-huh. among those laughing. Uh, you know, the laughter in the press box. So uh, that was that was one for the ages. Now, Kenny, did the umpire know that? Because, you know, ah. obviously, you know, Chapman could have used that to his advantage to doctor up the ball. Just repeat. Re- oh, re- <laughs> oh, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a, that's anything else? 
that's a different type of pine tar. Anything. You know, that's something I don't know if anybody's ever done before. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, let me save you and let me go to uh, the actual outcome of that game because you wrote a great column after that game because that was a losable game. Uh, against Baltimore. It was tied at one, uh, great pitching performances on both sides of the ball, and the Yankees won, I think it was two sacrifice flies. And that's the type of situation, Ken, that that makes or breaks the Yankees during this streak, and they were able to win that game. But you pointed it out great in your column. Thank you. That that Saturday was huge for me because they committed three errors. They went 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Uh, excellent, you know, Montgomery turned it around. That was huge. Right. And then the bullpen is is perfect. And, uh, and you know, if they had lost that game, that would have been a real bummer because then it's it's only three wins in a row. And, okay, now the Orioles have a chance to split this series and they're still in this thing. Then when you get that win and then puts you in the position to, to get the sweep Sunday and really put put the Orioles out of their misery. I To me, uh, if we were to rank, rank these five wins, I'd say the number one would be the against the Blue Jays with Garcia, but number two uh, would be that Saturday game. You know, Kenny, it's obviously really hard because you're not in the clubhouse, so you really can't see, like, how they go about, you know, the way they've lost and everybody's getting on them about okay you know these aren't the this isn't the best team in baseball like everybody thought going into the season and then all of a sudden they're turning things around but do you see a difference in in the way they've been playing or at least the way their demeanor has been in in that in that dugout these last few games about turning things around a little bit I do Nelly and I just just the vibe you know and and uh, you know I'm I'm pretty analytical guy so that's not something you can quantify but just watching them play these past few days like you expect them to win you know and and I I think they expect to win even again yesterday tight game obviously and then for the the moves to work out the way it did they did you know Andahar had two hits I believe yesterday right and then Boone puts in Gardner for defense in a 1-1 game. Uh, and then the, the matchups work out perfectly where the Orioles bring in the lefty for go after Gardner. And Boone says, all right, well, here's Gleyber Torres, bang, and ball game. That's that's when things are going your way. During the five-game run, Ken, you also brought up the starting pitchers posting a 121 ERA. And we, we all know, all of us on this call, all baseball fans everywhere, pitching is going to win you championships. And, and that's the thing that's starting to turn the Yankees around. Not only the starters, but the relievers during this stretch, too, they're stepping up their game as well. No doubt. And it's funny. I, I wrote yesterday about the starting rotation. And, well, there's two weeks to go. <laughs> Plenty of bad things can happen between now and then. But when you compare the Yankees starting rotation now to where it was a year ago as they were getting ready for the playoffs, to me, it's leaps and bounds better. Uh, you know, Tanaka is still Tanaka, so that, let's call that an even. Uh, but then let's call Garrett Cole for James Paxton. That's a huge upgrade. And then let's say uh, Garcia for Severino. I mean, Severino had only pitched three times the whole year going to the playoffs. He was not close to, to peak Severino. And then you throw in Hap, who to me is now should be an option for the postseason where he was not a year ago. And Jordan Montgomery, if he can build on this last start, he's an interesting guy as well. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you look at uh, Andujar and his last 15 games, I mean, he's starting to, he's over 300. What does he, what do they do? They're going to get healthy. You're going to get Judge and they're going to get Stanton back. Uh, Urshel is going to come back. So there's going to be a little shuffle on this team about playing time. What do they do with him? Yeah, that's a really good question, Nelly. And I'm, I'm not sure he he makes the cut in terms of playing time and I have to figure it out in terms of actually staying on the roster right look I think Clint Frazier has earned the right to stay on this roster over Andujar at this point I mean Clint Clint Frazier is is really to me a bona fide big league player at this point he's he's worked past the defensive issues he admitted yesterday that concussion was a factor 
in last year's struggles, which not a surprise. Uh, so I'd, I'd have to give Frazier the edge over Andujar. And let's face it, you know, let's see how long Stanton and Judge can stay on the field. Right. Uh, you know, so you have the worst case scenario for Andujar. You send him back down to Scranton and he keeps playing. And then if there's another injury, he gets the call. I want to go back to the rotation for a second, Kenny, because you also brought up a great point, too. Uh, and, and I have to say, you know, we heard back in the 80s with Nancy Reagan say no to drugs. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying say no to openers. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> on board. Definitely on board for Jay Happ. Uh, the way he's pitching recently uh, after his first two starts, he, he's been great. I, I mean, I know he's given you five and two thirds, less than six, but I'll take that instead of running the bullpen out there at the beginning of the game and taking one of your strengths and making it a weakness. Yeah, to me, I, I, I defend the opener in the idea that it's it's your next to last best option, I guess, or your second worst option. However, well, that's, that's fair. Yeah, however that's you, fair. So, you know, like last year's Jay Happ, I would have gone with the opener. Jay Happ was a mess last year. And and to me, it just makes no sense to feed a guy, you know, number five, number six starter to the Lions. Uh, but Jay Happ is looking more like the Jay Happ of 2018 now. Uh, so yeah, if you can avoid that opener, that, that would be significant. You know, Kenny, going into that, saying, speaking of that, we've seen in the past few years, uh, a couple years that Boone has been a manager that as soon as, you know, analytically, he doesn't let his starters go a certain amount of innings. Once he's, they start getting around that third time around the lineup, he's pulling them quick and it doesn't matter how well they do. It doesn't matter about the eye test going into, and it hasn't worked over the last couple of years, as far as in the postseason, as far as them advancing, do you see any kind of difference? Uh, in a way he's going to manage or you think he's sticking to the same formula so, so as soon as this playoff with Jay Happ Tanaka uh, maybe Cole might be the only one you allow him to go deep and, and all of a sudden he's got to go to that bullpen no matter how they look out on that mound so it's interesting now because to me Aaron Boone's darkest moment as a manager was the 2018 AL Division Series against the Red Sox. Right. In my opinion, he was not quick enough okay. with the hook for uh, it was game three Severino game four CC Sabathia yeah I thought he left both of those guys in the game too long, and they both both games got out of control. You know, game four they they came close right. again. So yeah, I, I you know I think you and I see this differently, and, and you know you obviously from a guy who played the game, and me not, but the guy who studied the game. Uh, so yeah, I I'm less concerned about that. I, I you know I look I think I remember we talked about the Garrett Cole few starts ago against Tampa Bay with the 109 pitches. You know I, I think Garrett Cole stays in that game in October. I don't think there's any doubt. I think he gets the benefit of the doubt. I think Tanaka gets the benefit of the doubt if he tells Aaron Boone I can do this. But Jay Happ, if you can get five innings from Jay Happ in a playoff game, I say get him the hell out of there because you got you got a bullpen full of guys ready to go. On, 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 you know, let's, let's just say full rest. Kenny, I just want to get your thoughts on the catching situation. To me, Gary Sanchez, since that grand slam against the Mets, is four for 36 with 17 strikeouts and 41 at-bats. He's still striking out you know, almost half of the times he walks to the batter's box. I know he's had some loud outs, but at this point, for me, moving forward, I'm, I am I want defense, and I, and I want handling the staff above everything else. And if that's Sanchez, fine, put him back there. But I want a defensive catcher moving forward. And we, I don't think you can really look at He's going to run into one here and there. But he's been consistently this hitter since that grand slam against the Mets. Yeah, it's interesting, Chris. I was watching him day after day. I mean, he had that horrible stretch in Baltimore where his, yeah. the bats were just not competitive. And that that uh, got him benched, deservedly so. He has looked better to me. I mean, it's like baby steps. 
Uh, and Saturday, I mean, a few guys, I'm sure they were trying to pump them up. A few guys mentioned that loud out. It was, it was the hardest hit ball in the game, 114.8 miles per hour. That line drive to left field. He drew a couple walks. So again, I, I think the Yankees kind of have to figure out – I think they have to think globally with Gary Sanchez. Is he still our catcher of the future? Right. If he is. I think you have to hang in there a little bit with him, especially if there's room for error, if other guys are hitting. But if you know, if you're real doubts about his viability for this team moving forward, then yeah, get Kratz in there and get Higgy in there. I'm not sure he can carry three catchers on a postseason roster. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think they've determined the, the number of people on the postseason roster yet. That will factor into it. Uh, but yeah, but it's, it's nice now to have the three guys. You can pinch hit. Uh, you, you can start Higgy. You can start Kratz. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm not sure I'm answering your question really, except I, I think they have to determine what, where how Gary Sanchez fits into their long term plans. But isn't that what we've heard? I mean, this is what I've heard for the last few years. You, you know, it's it's really. It's it's tough to hear when all of a sudden you're you're hanging on a and I, I don't I want to call an excuse to say oh th- that was allowed out he hit the ball hard you know this is almost like moral victories for for Gary mm-hmm. Sanchez every time he you know whether he looks good at the plate but still goes over four and he'll do the same thing the next day uh, you know it, it gets to be tough in a way to hear that all the time that oh hey you know what he hit the hardest ball but guess what it was an out it didn't matter you know, you, <laughs> well, I mean if, if if that's what we're going on with moral victories with Gary Sanchez it's almost time to move on well yeah I, I don't disagree no and I, I do think the Yankees kind of have to make a decision now. It doesn't have to be one they stick to, but they kind of have to philosophically figure out what do we, you know, if we're trying to win the 2020 World Series and you know, we're trying to build a, a dynasty like the 96 to 2000 Yankees, where does Gary Sanchez fit in that? And therefore, how should we deploy him in this these last two weeks plus the postseason? Kenny, I, I just got to ask you about uh, your joint story uh, with George King and Joel Sherman on the loss of Mark Newman helping to spearhead this Yankees dynasty here. Uh, Brian Cashman said you can't reflect on the championships and postseason appearances during Mark's time without recognizing how much he meant to the organization. Uh, It was Nellie's time with the Yankees. So what did Mark Newman mean to this organization and that dynasty? Well, it's fascinating because I know you just allow me like, no, I I assume you didn't know Mark that well. Is that fair? Uh, Well, I'll give you a story after you you tell him. I go back further than his Yankee days. Okay, because Nellie, you know, didn't really fall under Mark Newman's umbrella, right? Mark Newman, you know, he was a traded guy. And, uh, you know, Stick and, and Bob Watson and Cashman made the trades. Newman was the, the development guy, the homegrown guys, the core four, Bernie, those guys. And, yeah, I mean, he, especially when Mr. Steinbrenner, George, ran the team, the Yankees really had, they had two home bases, uh, New York and Tampa. And they, they still do geographically now, but now Brian Cashman runs all baseball operations. You know, back then, George kind of liked the, you know, the people to knock heads, you know. So I think. Cashman even acknowledged in his statement, you know, that he and Newman would occasionally disagree on stuff because uh, Newman did attain a great deal of power within the organization. And he, he uh, gained that because of the amazing work he did as the development guy, just that pipeline of talent. And he deserves his share of credit for the big five, you know, the core four plus Bernie, uh, as well as other guys who they used for trades and, and for smaller roles. Yeah, I got, you know, Kenny, I got to know Mark Newman very well. He, he, he obviously a tremendous baseball man. And you're right. And, you know, it, it was funny because as a player in this, in the, in the at Yankee Stadium, in the clubhouse, you knew there was two different, uh, <laughs> two different offices. And, and the main office wasn't always in New York. The main one, the main 
decision making was out of out of Tampa. You had Billy Connors, Mark Mark Newman. Yep. Uh, it was pretty funny, and 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 you know, George, Mr. Starman only came up on a certain occasion if there was a special day, if we played the Red Sox, maybe the Mets. You know, he didn't see him very often in New York. But going back to Mark Newman, he was the he was the head coach at Old Dominion for a number of years, and he actually recruited me out of high school. Oh. So I, uh, him and Dan, Dan Radisson, who was also a, mm-hmm. uh, a coach or a minor league coach yeah. in the Yankees organization, uh, they recruited me for the whole, my whole senior year. And I actually went down to Old Dominion and visited, visited Old Dominion, talked to Mark Newman. He showed me around, uh, my father and, and myself. Uh, and he, I sat there and I probably was going to sign if I didn't get drafted back then when the draft happened, they, they, they reported it right away. So everybody knew it. And, and I had more colleges recruit me after I got drafted than before I got drafted. But Old Dominion was the school that I was probably going to go to. And, and I got drafted by the Dodgers in the 22nd round. I mean, I wasn't a, a bonus baby or anything but Mark Newman said hey you know what you got drafted by a great a, a great organization and this is going to be a tough decision but we would love to have you so actually I knew him way before the Yankee days that's amazing I had no idea that's a great story Ken let's close on this your record predictions every day <laughs> I, they're very entertaining because you find a new, you. a new way to tweet them your latest one was the famous uh, Jordan gift from the last <laughs> dance and that is what we are all going to have to do to you in a couple days because yeah. it might be the end of the tweets because both teams now have to go 12 and one for your predictions to be right uh are these tweets going to stop in a couple of days if, if they uh if they're wrong that's the way i always do it i've, I've been doing this since 2009 jake when you were uh, just a pup and uh <laughs> yeah i uh i when, when i when they're officially no longer uh, uh attainable mathematically i i apologize you'll <laughs> oh, take a mulligan see you next year yeah they, they will be missed i'll say that thank you thank you ken uh, if it makes you feel any better i had them at 38 and 22 also yeah. And, hey, not uh, impossible. You know what? It's not impossible. Still, they could still go twelve and one to end I the had season. Thirty-six. They, I had thirty-six. Yeah, Nelly had thirty-six. But you know, this Yankee team—if they stayed healthy, which they can't do the past couple of years—they uh, might even been over thirty-eight wins because the offense might have been able to compensate for the lack of pitching during their five and fifteen stretch. Ken Davidoff, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Don't forget follow him on Twitter at Ken Davidoff is his handle. We always appreciate the time and enjoy it, Kenny. Stay safe, brother. You too, guys. Take care. And Ken, I'll, I'll say this on the record. If the Mets go 12-1, and one, I will get you a steak dinner as well as Nelly awesome. and Shane. So there you <laughs> wow. go. Guaranteed. You know it's going to happen now. You know <laughs> Taking that to the bank. It'll be ha- I'll be happy if it happens, so I hope it does. <laughs> there you go. That's a wrap for episode 27 or the Giancarlo Stanton or the Graham Lloyd episode of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're using Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and please write a positive review. We appreciate your support. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll be back on Thursday as we look ahead to the final three games against the Red Sox. And don't forget to check out our producer, Jake Brown's football podcast as well for the Jets and Giants. Talk to you then, everybody. Stay safe.